Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be the WWE Hall of Famer, the Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And at the height of wrestling popularity in the late 90s, arguably the most popular time in wrestling history, according to ratings, arguably the greatest roster of all time. When guys spent their entire lives to get to WWE, this gentleman walked in at the very top without being trained and not only made it became a huge part of the WWE roster that the boys loved and accepted. It's a story that will probably never be replicated because that's unbelievable. He is Mr. Pete gas. Pete, thanks for joining the show. Thank you. I, I've never been put over ever, I think, but th- that was the best one I would ever think I can get. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's awesome. You're a heel Thank like you. me. You don't, you, you put other guys over that's all I ever do is put everybody on. <laughs> oh, Pete, Pete, I want to jump in there too, and man, I just welcome you to our show. Man, we have a blast doing these things. And John and I, we we talk about who, who, cuckoo, who we have on, and you know, we've had a lot of guys on it. You know, our roster can't be complete until we have Main Street Posse on this show. You know, and, uh, you guys added so much to such a wonderful time during our business there, but. Uh, you know, the people people know a lot about your wrestling background and all that, but we will want to get inside of Pete Gas. And, uh, you know, uh, the great thing about doing these shows, you got to do some research on, on your friends. And, you know, uh, Mr. Google's a wonderful person, you know, if you take advantage of him and, uh, and finding stuff about you. You know, I had no clue on a lot, a lot of stuff about, about, you, about your entrance in, but I know you grew up in, uh, in, uh, and uh, Stanford, uh, our Greenwich, uh, part of uh, Bad Street to Greenwich, uh, Connecticut. There, uh, there's a lot of Bad Streets around there too. <laughs> and 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 you ended up at the University of Connecticut. Tell us a little bit about playing football. Tell us a little bit about your your high school. What kind of athlete you were in high school? How you got to Connecticut, and and you know the, just your whole beginning journey there. Uh, uh, tell me, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, when I was, so 
when I was growing up, I played football, you know, until I couldn't start until I was in junior high because I was bigger than everybody else. Back then, you, had, you couldn't play unless you were in junior high. How, how um, big how, how big are you? Because I, I think a lot of people get get really misjudged. But you're, you, you're a big guy. I mean, they're getting in the ring with you on, 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 looking across the ring. You were a big guy, especially in that Argyle sweater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I used to be 6'4", but I think you and John kind of – you guys made me <laughs> shrink about a half inch. But, but uh, no, back then when I was when I first started playing football, I was – you couldn't be over uh, 130 pounds. I think I was like 160 at the time. So I was – yeah, my father was going to have me lose weight. He said, just wait till junior high, and then I did, and – I ended up facing uh, Rodney and Shane. I were in a different junior high back then, and we got to face them, and that was like a big deal in our town, facing those two guys. But uh, and then when we got to high school, we all got to play together. Um, I was all county, all state, all New York Daily News, all that stuff when I was wow. in high school. But then, uh, and then got a, I had almost forty scholarship offers, which was you know, it was good. So. Um, Chose UConn. My brother went there. I felt comfortable with the staff and everything else. And and uh, who was your coach there? Head coach was uh, Coach Tom Jackson. He played. Were you guys in the Big East at that time? No, it was the one double A back then. So, so uh, he played. He was on the Penn State team that won all those national titles in the late sixties. Um, he was a guard. So and he was number sixty three. And when I was being recruited, he wanted me to wear number sixty three because that was his number. And it was special to him. So that was always, you know, pretty good. But I had, I had other big offers. I just, uh, I Syracuse, Maryland, stuff like that. But uh, Georgia was recruiting me, but I, I went to UConn just, I guess, for familiarity and stuff like that. So um, plus I, I'm sorry. I'm not, no, when, you were in, when you were in junior high, there was always, me and Ron always told them the white helmet kids. Because they always had to get the one big kid, the helmet from the varsity high school, and bring it back down, and it was always a different color. Did you have one of the high school? No, <laughs> I, I was I was a seven. What was I a seven and a probably a seven back then? But uh, no, the head just kept growing as I got well, older. Well, Pete, <laughs> read to John. John, his head was so damn big when he was in junior high school. They had to go to the University of Texas to get one of those <laughs> big ass helmets for him. <laughs> there was, was always the big kids in junior high, yeah. and they never had the helmets big enough for the big kids. So they go to the varsity, but they, most of the times they wouldn't paint yeah. them. You know, so you yeah. don't have like the white yeah. with the it's true. red like. Oh come on, come on! Hey, <laughs> and school, and middle school, you're lucky if you had a helmet, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, the yes, incident when I went to, I ended up going to UConn, and uh, it's funny because we're talking about equipment and stuff. If you weren't a scholarship athlete, you had to wear used cleats back then. Wow. You couldn't even get like you know like the screw on yeah. cleats. You had to get a pair of used like refurbished ones. And uh, yeah, and I was like. I was a, I didn't have to worry about. It. I was a size fourteen back then, so I was good. Uh, they, they had not many people had it back then, so I was good. I got brand new, brand new ones. But I was on full scholarship anyway, so it was all good. Did you have a goal to play professional football? Was that what you? Wanted? I did. I did. I did. Uh, you know how they come in your junior year back then, and they would t- you know test you on the forty and, the, and all that. And the Jets were very interested, and they said we'll be back. And then uh, the second second week going to third week. We had a game against New Hampshire, and I wanted, I wanted to play that game so bad because the guy reminded me of Bill Lambeer, and I'm a Celtics fan, so I hated Bill Lambeer. He looked like him. He was dirty. And I knew it was going to be a fight. 
And I shattered my thumb in practice, running the counter tray in practice. And uh, two days later, I, uh, I had surgery that night. Two days later, I tried to play. I tried to practice for Thursday. It was uppers. And uh, I tried coming out there, and I came out with a cute – this looked like a giant Q-tip on my hand. And I remember I was late. You know, we were down in the stadium practicing and stuff, and I remember running out to the stadium a little late as everyone was stretching, and I got a standing ovation from my teammates for, for trying to do this. And it hurt like hell. I couldn't do it. I tried so hard, but it was the, the pain was shooting up my arm, and they wouldn't give me anything to kill the pain or else I would have done it in a heartbeat. But it was just a great feeling to get that standing ovation from your colleagues, you know. Right. And did you so. play with Shane and Rodney in high school? Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, I was a right tackle. Shane was a left guard, and Rodney was a fullback, blocking fullback. Wow. So he was he was a, but he could run though. He was he's good at he, Rodney's a good athlete. So you know he was a tough football player. But we uh yeah we we ran a run and shoot offense. Um, Steve Young's younger brother Tommy was our quarterback. Um, we had a good uh we had a real good defense. Um. You know, some of the guys that were part of the original Mean Street Posse when we first came to uh, that WrestleMania in Philadelphia, uh, Billy Pirro was there. He was our middle, one of our middle linebackers. He hit like a truck. We had some, you know, we had we had a good group of guys. It was a fun time, and we were county champs and stuff like that. So it was it was uh, we had a good team. Really what good kind team. of ball player was Shane O'Mac? Shane O'Mac was a, a he, he. Let's just say he used every bit of his frame. Because he wasn't Did he get a, penalized a lot. I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't remember I don't remember he got penalized a lot, but I know he, you know, he was he pulled a lot and he was uh just a good athlete and just you know always kept kept his feet moving. You know, that's an offensive line, you gotta keep your feet moving. He right. did. So Tommy so, Young was the yeah. <laughs> was the quarterback. Same as the referee name. Tommy Young? Yeah, there's really? no referee named Tommy Young. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, yeah, down in the Carolinas, down for Jim Crocker promotion for years. He was, he was their main referee down there. But I don't think he was big enough or smart enough to go to no, University of Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. He can count to threes. By the way. <laughs> I saw an interview you did that you were a wrestling fan growing up. Yeah. And you meet Shane. Did you have interaction with Vince, go over to their house? I mean, you guys were good chums, right? Yeah, I mean, well, Vince used to – it's funny because, like, when I played against him in junior high, Vince attended the game because, um, you, you know, you can't miss that big barrel chest of his back, you know, especially back then. Um, and then as we got to 10th grade, we started all – because that's – 10th grade was the start of high school. 9th grade, you're still in junior high back then. And, uh, you know, we all became very close and had classes together and stuff like that. And it was only a natural fit, especially being on the offensive line that – you know, we were all pretty close and, uh, yeah, we go to the house and it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> so like, you'd have, when Vince was building the house, he's in, I think he's still in the house now. It's been so long since I've been up in, uh, I won't say where, but in Greenwich, um, it was being built. He, uh, he was renting a house. And so we were allowed to go over there. We were allowed to drink at the house and go swimming and stuff. And Vince would let us, as long as we gave our keys, he'd let us drink and we'd stay over. So one day he leaves and to go buy us beer and we're swimming in the pool. And all of a sudden we hear a, a Harley come 
and Hulk Hogan was carrying our beer up to, from the from the, <laughs> from the from the driveway to the pool. And we were like, holy shit, you know, that's Hogan, you know, like that was the guy who I fell in love with back when I was in, you know, 1979. I was nine years old trying to stay up till midnight to watch him, you know, and here he is walking up. And it's funny because WWE called me back for the 15 year reunion and he was there. And um, I went over and, you know, you introduce yourself. You know, you always say hello and shake everyone's hand. And I introduced myself and, I said, and he, he said, Pete, I remember who you are. And he go, and uh, I thought it was weird, you know, like, and uh, I said, well, and I, I said, I don't know if you know the story. And I told him that same story, how, you know, he was carrying a beer and he kind of went, he went like, that. He's like, so I carried your beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I said, yeah, uh, I guess so. Yeah. He goes, well, you owe me one. Go get me a fucking beer. So I, up, I was in posse uniform outfit. I went up to the uh, concession stand and got him a beer. Tremendous. Yeah, it was real cool. So did, when you went back to high school that day, like, guys, Hulk Hogan just brought us beer on a Harley. People go, oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, no, we we kind of kept that to ourselves. Like, I did that when I went home and told my family. But it was like more like uh, we kind of kept things – Kayfabe, you know, like not really, you know, it wasn't stuff like, you know, like certain guys you tell, but it wasn't like, you know, you, but we kind of, it was just, it was just a great, it was like, it was, it wasn't real. You know, it was like, it was almost like a dream. It's pretty cool though. And then we'd go to his house for like, um, like Christmas parties and you'd see like, you know, classy Freddie Blassie and Pat, God rest his soul. I miss Pat. Uh, you know, like you'd go up there and you'd see all the, and Vince would have at his house, he would have a bar on one end of the, of the house and bar on the other. And, you know, we were allowed to drink. So we'd go grab a drink at one end of the bar. By the time we made it to the other end, it was time for another one. We just make our way back and you see, you know, and we just did it all night long. So it was fun. It was fun. And then I saw when you got out of college, you talked to, was it Shane or Vance and wanted to get into the business and they just Shane. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I wanted to get into the business. I always, it was just always something so appealing to me. And um, this is when Shane was, I was probably in my early twenties and he, and Shane was there working and I went to his office and said, you know, what do I have to do? And Shane was like, well, you know, he's like, you got to, you know, they're going to make you go to Memphis. You're going to have to work for like 25 bucks a day. You're, bank account's going to get depleted. And, and, um, you know, I don't know if he really wanted that responsibility of either, you know, of the, the letdown, if it didn't work, you know, Shane's got a real good heart as you guys know. And he's just, that's, um, but I think he was trying to protect me, but it was, was Shane on a, was, was Shane on a ring crew at that time <laughs> or had he, uh, graduated he, up a little bit? He graduated up by then. So yeah. Shane did, Shane did a lot of that ring crew stuff when he was still in college. Right. But that was, this is after he had already been established. He was doing other stuff with, uh, I believe it was um, the media stuff he was doing mm-hmm. at that time. Where did and, Shane uh, go to college? What's that? Where did Shane go to college? <coughs> Shane Boston. went to, um, yeah. Boston, Boston. Went Yep. Boston University. Yeah, him and Stephanie both went to BU. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And then after that period, didn't you decide? Didn't you give up on the dream of being a professional wrestler for the time until finally Shane ends up calling you in '99, right? Yeah. So the funny thing is, so yeah, I, um, he, I kind of got my dreams, you know, shot down on there. So 
I was uh, I was doing some work and and just you know working a regular job. And Shane said to Rod, Rod, Rodney and I used to work out at Titan Tower, and uh, we had you know Shane got us keys. It was great because we didn't have to pay for a gym membership somewhere, and the equipment's awesome. I mean, you guys know you've been there. He uh, and one day Shane says, "Hey, he goes uh, Friday after you guys work out, come come to my office. I want to talk to you guys." So we walked. We we went in, and he said. Uh, Hey, I need you guys to do us a favor. Do me a favor. So again, you know, whatever we do, whatever he needed us to do, you know. And he said, uh, Sunday morning, ten o'clock, go see Chris Chambers at the studio, and I want you to dress preppy, you know. And he was talking about also, you know, all sorts of ideas on how to, what he wanted us to wear. And he had a script, and he said, "This is the script," and he ripped it up. And he literally said, fuck that. Tell stories about when we were kids, getting in fights, all the stuff that we used to do. Um, and Chris is going to cut it up. And you guys are going to be on Monday Night Raw on uh, the next night. So Rodney comes to my I, I was living in a house in Stanford at the time with a couple of guys. Comes to my house. We each drank a 12-pack of beer in under probably about an hour and a half. So, and... Uh, then we went over to the studio and if you go back and look, I mean, I was still, I still had offensive line baby fat, you know, not that I don't now, but I'm, I'm not a baby. That's the only thing different. Um, but uh, you could kind of see in my eyes, I'm a little fucked up in, in, in those videos. <laughs> and uh, we just went and started telling stories and then just kind of like, you know, embellished a little bit for the, you know, for the, for the character. And uh, it was just fun. It was just, then we're on the next day. It was, it was I remember amazing. that like, those things were great too, Pete. You guys did an awesome job for no experience at all. Wow, what a great job you guys did. Yeah, that was fun. We um you know again, we just we just told stories and that was all Chris Chambers right there. Like, he yeah. gets all the credit for that. We just told the stories. He did he took care of it. Shane yeah. Shane brought up that he wanted you to tell fight to what did Shane uh, because of who he was getting a lot of fights and a lot of guys try to pick fights fight with Shane and try to try to say, Hey, I beat up Vince McMahon's son or things like that. No, he had, he had, he had a lot of respect from, from the guys like our age in our group. And he actually guys older. He, um, but he was, he was always the daredevil. He was always doing stuff. Like he drove a big Ford F two fifty with a lift and he was always driving it crazy and, and, you know, driving it where he wasn't supposed to. And, and, you know, and always brought, you know, breaking the drive shaft on it. It was always in the shop. And then we'd be dri driving around in his mom's Lincoln town car. I mean, it's not his mom's, his, uh, uh, the mate's Lincoln town car. It was like mint green, ugly as shit. And then, uh, Vince, you know, Vince has a thing about colors like that for some reason. I never I figured why. that out. His yeah. color, his color choice is, is like awful. His suits. <laughs> his suits back in the day. Oh my so. goodness! They look like they had a, either a battery or an extension cord on them. <laughs> it was so loud. Turned it a little bright. No wonder he <laughs> likes Michael Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he bought his clothes from Michael, man. That's what now, now, now that's what Michael gets his WrestleMania clothes. He goes to Vince's closet. Very ball. Can I have this? <laughs> so, but yeah, he uh, he he used to do stuff like. Uh, he would drive over people's mailboxes and he would do all sorts <laughs> of stuff. And, like, and then I remember one night we got pulled over. Um, he drove through like a fence and he got, and then he backed out. We were driving and 
I said, Shane, there's a cop behind you. He's like, no, it's not. It's a Jeep. And I go, Shane, I know the headlights of a fucking cop car. I know the headlights of a Jeep. <laughs> so sure enough, the lights flash. <clears throat> and he, he got pulled over. He got pulled. <clears throat> guy comes out of the, takes him out of the, uh, he goes out, he gets out of the, uh, out of his car to talk to the cop. Cop gave him like a ticket. I think it was like 85 bucks back then or whatever it was. Shane goes, can I pay you cash here now? And then <laughs> that, that cop got so hot at him. And he was being like, just wanted to just pay it and have it be over. That cop was like, Shane, shut the fuck up. Just, just take the ticket and go. <laughs> but he was funny. It was funny. Good time. So. He never ran over anybody, any human like Tommy Wildfire Rich, did he? No, no, nothing like Euro, that. Euro Briscoe one time ran over a, another wrestler in a car with, with, with Michael Hayes. And the Michael biggest Hayes star in Georgia championship said, history. Michael Hayes actually looked at him and said, I think you just killed Wildfire. Actually, <laughs> it's a felony. But <laughs> throw it out there. It's a felony. They never yeah. got prosecuted. Funny so, limb. <laughs> so you guys appear on Raw. You watch yourself. You had to be thrilled to death to see it. And then how does it progress that you guys end up coming in to do stuff? So Shane kayfabe this the whole time. He didn't want anything to get out. He would, it was, we were on a need to know basis. And um, we ended up, it was week after week they were showing us and then they were bringing in other characters like Willie Green and, and they had his face blacked out and stuff. Like he was, uh, you know, like wanted or whatever, or, you know. Um, <clears throat> and then they ended up, he said, uh, we're going to bring you guys to Albany, New York. And it was the same night that, um, Stone Cold came out with the beer truck and sprayed Vince and Shane and, and Rock. Uh, that same night, Shane challenged X-Pac to uh, a street fight. And we, uh, Shane was outside fighting with X-Pac, and we pulled up. With, there was a set of us with two Corvette convertibles, and we, uh, we ran out. You know, we, we beat up X-Pac, threw him up against the garage, got on him, and then took off in the Corvette convertibles. And then uh, – Week after that, we were driving down to Philadelphia, and then we were part of that whole. Um, the, the, there was remember the there was a party, but a corporate party beforehand the night before. Yeah. It was televised in, on USA and then or whatever I think it was USA back then, and then uh, just part. We then we sat in the front row. So the funny thing about it is, I think I, for some reason I think this had a big part of it. So I was thinking to myself, so X Pac at one point we were supposed to grab him. And hold him because he was he was gonna fall back to the to the barrier, and we were holding him so Shane can get on him, right? Well, X Pac breaks loose and elbows me in the chest, so I just did what I thought was natural, and I just took a bump into the chairs, and then <clears throat> I just acted. If you go ever, if you ever happen to go back and look, it's like like five minutes later, I'm still selling the chest bump and. To, oh, like feeling it, and Lawler's like, "Peak ass is still hurting." And the way he, the way he said it with that high pitched voice, and I just sold the shit out of it. It was an elbow to the chest, it was you know, but it was great. It just, uh, just what, what came natural, you know, just put them over. So when they first, put it was fun. Real, when they first put you out there with X Pac, I mean, did well, you guys had not done anything backstage in a gym training? You hadn't been in the ring. You just kind no. of got thrown in the fire, right? Yeah. And, you know, that to me, that was always like the that's why I wrote that book back in 2017, because I think it was a story that had never happened before. And like you said in the beginning, would uh, probably never happen again, especially with the performance center. Right. Um, 
Vince literally took us and put us in the fire with no training. And I remember him telling us, don't get hurt. Don't hurt my guys. Put on a show. Don't hurt my guys. Did, yeah. did I, knowing the X-Pac, did he take you to the side and say, hey, guys, I'm going to do this and kind of go yeah. over? Because okay. yeah. he's, he's excellent like that. So not only was he excellent then, but even as we were, you know, on the circuit with everybody and, and going to shows, he was always great about helping us and giving us ideas and stuff. And always like he and road dog were unbelievable. And, you know, like I've, I've told him I've been on his podcast and I thanked him on the podcast just because I was like, you know, it meant so much, you know, cause you know, as, as John stated, you know, and, and I said, yes, um, I was a wrestling fan. So these are like, these guys are my heroes and I'm getting to work with them. And, you know, it's like, and then, you know, like I've said this before in other interviews, it's like, you know, I'm getting put into the fire. It's like someone saying you're taking someone off the street and putting them in, in on an NFL field and say, okay, go block Ray Lewis. You know, you're with the best of the best. And these guys are my, you know, I look up to them so much and now I get to work with them. It's pretty, it's special. You know, it's just something that, you know, yeah, that's great. That's great. John John had five years of college experience, and they threw him out and told him to go block Howie Long. <laughs> that didn't work. It didn't work well at all. <laughs> Howie enjoyed it. I did not really enjoy it. You know, it's always amazing to me that uh, when you get an old pro, and Xbox wasn't old at that time. Now he's like me. I probably think he's younger than me, but he's you know now he's certainly an old pro. But when you get an experienced pro how well they can help manage guys that are really green. Yeah. X-Pac was, I, I tell you, I worked with X-Pac when he tagged with Kane and he understood the dynamics of a big guy and a small guy better than probably anybody I've ever been in the ring with. I mean, he really yeah. had a great mind. He and Road Dog both, both good guys, but also very smart guys. And when you're with guys like that, it makes a world of difference to you because they can explain it to you what they need. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, again, when I would come back from a match, they would talk about what, you know, you could have done or if something was good, it was great. And then, you know, another opportunity, you know, or you could, you could have done it this way and told a different type of story and just, you know, just the education alone, like you're learning from the best of the best, which is amazing. You know what's crazy about it? I mean, we had Lawrence Taylor, we've had guys come in that have, you know, been in, in a different sport that come mm-hmm. in, but they train. You know, Bad Bunny comes in, puts on a great performance at WrestleMania, but he trained for that. You right. guys didn't do nothing, and they just no. put you out there. And it's like, oh, those are Shane's friends; they'll be fine. Yeah, and that's because that's because Vince always saw us like around the house, like just yeah, you know, like when Shane moved from the city back to the home, his house, his parents' house before he got married. Yeah, you know, he moved out of this brownstone place. We were shit fixed. We drank a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels on the ride. From New York City to Greenwich, which isn't a long <laughs> ride, drank the whole no, thing. Not. No, no. <laughs> and uh, I remember we got in the truck, and Shane had a rule: you had to pour the Jack Daniels in up to the roof of your mouth and to swallow it. And we just kept handing it, handing <laughs> it. And I was hammered by that. And Rodney and I are body slamming each other. We were showing Vince our moves. This is back in '96, <laughs> and we were slamming each other on the gravel driveway. And he's just sitting there, like he was laughing and just, you know. And I, but I remember, I also remember throwing up in Shane's sink in, in the laundry room. So, 
But he always knew how to take care of me, though. That was good. Good. <laughs> good. What What were your parents thinking at this time? You just finished college, of course. They ever yeah. parent, you know, my son goes to college. He was, I want him to be a professional. I want him to go coach, teach, or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, what were did you have your support from your family? Yeah, I mean my my father unfortunately had passed away when I was uh, 20, 22, almost twenty three, had cancer, and he was fifty five. And I'm like thinking to myself, man, I'm almost fifty five, and I'm it's amazing that he, had, you know, he missed out on a lot, you know, not only with me, with this, with wrestling, but everything. Um, my mom would sit there and, and get nervous in front of the television set. And then at WrestleMania 2000, when in, uh, in Anaheim, I got split open by that box fan. Viscera hit me in the head with the box fan and split me open. Um, and then blood's coming out. And I started to try to push more out. Well, I found out afterwards my mom was in the bathroom throwing up because her baby boy was wow. uh <laughs> so but my brother Mike was probably my biggest fan. Um he was always so excited. My both brothers, but specifically Mike, he always wanted to, you know, to know what was gonna happen and you know, like what time was I on and you know, it was a big thrill, you know. Well, it, you know, and every, plus not to mention, I mean I'm sure every person has the same thing back in their hometown where it was a big deal, you know. So one of, ribs, one of the worst ribs and they pulled it in every single territory was they'd tell a guy, you know, when you're bleeding, you know, squeeze your face and blood will come out more. And they'd always give him a, a blade, but it had no blade in it. It would just be taped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Invariably, they go, okay, squeeze your face. And some guy's sitting there, he feels the sweat. He thinks he's bleeding like crazy. And they go, oh, my God, you hit a vein. You hit a vein. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah, funny. The, the, worst, the, worst, the worst joke I ever had played on me during a match was Jody Hamilton, God rest his soul. We had Nick on uh, the day that Jody fell and, and became uh, ill, but uh, Jody Hamilton was working as assassin, and I was basically like you right out of college, and I had zero training. Uh, my brother moved the, moved the dining room table back in a dining room, showed me a wrist lock, a hammer lock, and a, a headlock, and a takeover. He said, do you know how to wrestle? So go out. And so I go out and I'm working against the assassins. I had that long hippie hair back in the sixties. Jody takes my head and my hair and I've been ripped in the dressing room, you know, that they were going to blade me the whole night. So he takes his fingernail and he does one of those gigs on me. Oh my God, I hit a vein. So I'm sitting there on the TV. I'm <laughs> slapping my forehead, trying to, you know, trying to find out. And, oh my God, I mean, it scared me to death. So. <laughs> uh, we all been through those ribs like that. <laughs> Stone Cold hit me one of the chair one time, and I mean, crowned me with the chair. And I fall out of the ring, and I put my hand in part of Gangrel's blood he used to spit, you know, the stuff yeah. that spit out of his mouth. Right. And so I just instinctively, for the camera, I'm selling, you know, the fact that Steve would bust me open, but I didn't think he had. So when I go like this, I look at my hand, and I got blood all over my hand, but it's the blood that Gangrel had spilled on the floor. <laughs> So I think I'm covered in blood. So I asked Ron, I said, how's the juice coming? He goes, the hell are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I sit there and think I'm covered in blood. <laughs> he just looked at me and walked off. <laughs> hey, Pete, speaking of getting nailed with chairs, uh, I, you got nailed one time uh, by a chair. We had a guy on there. This is beginning to be a pattern, too. Well, you got nailed pretty stiff by a chair one time by one of these. Oh, God. Oh. Hold on. You know I, where I'm, I'm going. Sure. I'm looking at the door. I'm looking. You don't know what's going on. That, uh, 
yeah, it was all good though. So <laughs> we were we were trying to get uh, as much respect in the locker room as we we could, and that's why my hand didn't go like this. I yeah. I walked like I was walking in the park, you know. And you, and, you uh, went to Mick Mick Foley and told him to knock you out with one, didn't you, or something like that? I told him to lay it in. That's what I said. And, he, and his story was, I laid it in. That's what he did. So that was good. So I, I was fine with it. And that that's he. I remember though after after we faced um, the APA, and uh, I remember the next day we we flew to uh, Tallahassee. I don't know if you remember this, John. We flew to Tallahassee, and we we had to face you guys again. Um, and we were on the tarmac, and uh, Mick Mick came over to me and said, uh, he goes. How are you? I said, I'm all right. And I, even if I wasn't all right, I was not selling it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I, I was fine. And he goes, uh, he was telling me the story about when he faced, um, faced the rock and, and he got hit all those times. And, and he said, um, don't take too many of those. And then eventually we parted ways and Jericho came up and uh, he said, he goes, you, seriously, you're all right. He goes, you tell me. And I'm like, I'm fine. And he said, well, you're probably going to face them again tonight. He said, don't feed your head, feed your back. And I said, all right. So, and I didn't have to. Rodney took the chair shot that night in uh, Tallahassee. Really, I don't know if they ever sent you a bill, but you ruined a chair. <laughs> I did ruin the chair. I did. It looked like a Fred Flintstone cartoon, that thing. That was uh, the end of my Shane hit me with a chair one time. I forget when it was. It's, I closed. I would close on him, I think, one year at uh, SummerSlam, and he told me, he goes, Hit me with that clothesline like you've never hit anybody. I hit him so hard with that clothesline. Ron looked at him and goes, we're fired. <laughs> I think he's dead. That's, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what happened, but the week before we started facing you guys, the uh, we were in a plane and Shane and Vince were in first class and Rodney and I were in the first row of coach and we were sleeping and I don't know if I've ever told the story or if you ever heard it before. I know I've told it before, but I don't know if you heard it. And uh, all of a sudden, we're, we're both out, and Rodney gets hit in the face with a magazine. And Shane turned around. and met, They had that plastic cover on to protect the, the magazine, right? right? Hits Rodney right in the face. And Rodney, Rodney gets it, and Shane's like, because Vince is sitting next to him, you know? He's like, you know, basically. So Rodney won't do it. So Rodney literally just says, fuck you, and went back to sleep. Less than five minutes later, boom, in the face again with a magazine. So I'm just sitting there next to him laughing because I know that he didn't have an angle to get to me anyway, but Rodney, he did. And Rodney wants to kill him. So he goes over to the, uh, the stewardess or a flight attendant comes by and says, uh, you know, he says, excuse me, can you let the, the um, passengers know that WWF superstar Shane McMahon is on the plane? And if he would, if anyone would like an autograph, he will, you know, he will gladly sign it. And she did. Wow. And all of a sudden, all you hear is <laughs> Vince next to him laughing. And then sure enough, Shane turns around and goes back to, uh, back to us and says, you got, I'm getting even with you guys. And I sat there like, what the fuck did I do? I didn't do anything. <laughs> sure enough, next week, Mean Street Posse versus the Acolytes. And it, <laughs> it was like, what the fuck? That's yeah, great. And it was just relentless. It was every week. So <laughs> it's awesome. I, when we first started facing you guys, there was a time where we did Sunday Night Heat. And I don't know if you remember this, because uh, it was a series of vignettes we did. 
you guys were playing cards and I had my hand behind my back and I was up next to Ron and it was wrapped, a chain, a fake chain was wrapped around my, my, uh, my fist. And you guys were playing cards and uh, Ron looked over, yo man, you're a little close, you know, like basically. And I threw the best working punch I've ever thrown in my life. I never threw a better one than that. And I hit him here and it started a whole thing. And then you were looking, you guys were looking for us. Yeah. And then, remember we were, and then we paid our dues in the ring. I remember being in the ring so many times and hearing that, that music, that for those first few notes hit and Rodney and I was like, see you on the other side. You had the middle of the show. I think I remember the writer. It was Tommy Blancho, wasn't it? Yes. Tommy. Was, I love Tommy. Tommy so, a great guy. Oh my God. Tommy used to write those uh, Sunday night heats and he'd write a theme throughout the whole show. Yep. Tommy was awesome. awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. He was a hell of a a beer drinker too. (laughs) We're in LA one time and and we're in the Staples Center and he goes, guys, you got to get the the scene right this time. We're doing the APA scene. I said, why are we about to go live? He goes, no, you're slurring your words. And you know your uh, your age the agency started with us. It was in Pittsburgh. I don't That's know if you right. know. Yes, 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 it did. That's <laughs> yep. right. We got our asses kicked by the uh, radicals back. And it's funny too. It was I wasn't funny. I, if I'm, I don't know if the dates dates kind of all get mixed up, but I think Rodney and I, Rodney Shane and I went to uh, soup, the Super Bowl the weekend before that, and then we ended up. Uh, we I think we slept like two hours the entire weekend. We were partying quite a bit. But we were hurting, and then the radicals beat the shit out of us. And um, I can't remember if that was the whole weekend or not. And then, uh, then we had to come to you guys. And I remember those, Rodney and Abs were giving you money, and you looked at me and you go, "You got any money?" I was like, "Yeah, I got money." And I started. <laughs> we all forked up money, and then that's when you came up with the idea, Ron, about the you know Acolyte Protection Agency. That's, that's right. Yeah, funny. yeah, it's funny. <laughs> did did you ever get your uh, your your uh, your royalty money from that, uh, Pete? No, not a bit. Nope. Uh, don't hold your breath. <laughs> it's funny how it's funny how he used his working punch on Ron. Ron always got the working punches. Me is like, oh, he's a big cowboy. We'll just hit him. Well, you get you get what you sow, Don. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was the only one that worked snug in that team. <laughs> and, and by the way, Shane one year hits me with a chair and he dents it, you know, like, like I did you and he dents it. Yeah. And so I don't think anything of it. I get the next Christmas, I get a package in the mail and it's that chair. And it's autographed by Shane. That's fantastic. <laughs> I didn't know that. Great, Jake. <laughs> it was great. I just thought you might miss the chair that your head did it. <laughs> I've still got the chair. That's great. <laughs> awesome. That should be in a museum. <laughs> Absolutely. Because yeah, I got yeah. signed everything from Shane. It was so good. Uh, it's so funny. As Black Bart used to say, we don't put our hands up on chairs. That's right. <laughs> well, soon we'll all be hunting Easter eggs we just hid. But <laughs> oh, yeah. you know that the thing was that chair shot wasn't it wasn't any different than what I hit say Eddie with or Taker or anybody else. We just we really played rough back then. You yeah, know, you're, the, you're the new guy, so you're certainly not going to get the working one. But the other guys didn't either. You know, we no. just guys just guys just hit each other. I mean, people people ask me all the time, "How'd you do those chairs?" 
well, you grit your teeth and hope you wake up. It, <laughs> yeah. there, there's no easy way to do it. Well, remember the WrestleMania 2000 when we, I remember, I remember this. We all went, we had that, um, we had a vignette where uh, Timmy White was explaining the rules on how the match was going to work and all that stuff. And, but we all, when we went through where we were walking in our spots and who was going to win in certain spots, um, I remember everyone saying, listen, I think, I think it was more like you and Ron. Just lay it all out there, hit each other, say your sorries when you get back, you know, back behind the curtain. And yeah, we used to do those bar fight scenes, and it was that. We go, look, we got one take because there's a good chance somebody's going to get busted open, so we can't do two takes. Our, and we're tearing stuff up that we can't replace in time for the show that night. So we got to do this in one take. So it's it's got to look real. Uh, and so it was always that that same, uh, guys, this is going to hurt, but <laughs> you're going you're gonna to enjoy the end product. Yeah. I remember Bull Buchanan one time. I grabbed him. I was going to throw him through a wall. And he goes, John, wrong wall. And I go, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I threw him through a wall that wasn't good. <laughs> he's a big tough guy and he forgave me <laughs> I he, could go, he, could, he had bull mechanic could go through any wall i ever said that you ain't kidding me that was a big tough guy yeah yeah big, big nice dude. guy too yeah, yeah nice guy hey we just signed this on wwe just signed this on to develop metal contract talented kid i've seen the bull bullets and his wife sherry send me uh, videos of him talented kid. yeah he's a big kid too boy Pete, you got to be a champion at WrestleMania, that WrestleMania, right? I did for uh, for a couple minutes. You, I remember. To, you don't have to tell that part. What's that? You don't have to tell that part that it was only a couple minutes. You just say, yes, I became champion at WrestleMania. Yes, that's correct. That was a two-time. I won it once at Newark Airport and then once there. You and I have something in common, and we're both two-time hardcore champion, brother. There you go. <laughs> I, I earned mine through the APA also, by the way. You did That's right. Yeah, yeah. What he was. Like, he. Uh, they wanted to go out partying with Kid Rock. I brought uh, little Joe C in to introduce him to the APA because they wanted to meet him. And they started talking. And Crash Holly was sleeping over in the corner over there. So, of course, they want to go drink with Kid Rock. So they get up and leave. Uh, poor old Crash there, unprotected. And I grab a referee, and I got one hardcore turn. Uh, try a championship. That I remember night. that. I remember that. <laughs> That's great. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was the show that we did unopposed to WCW, and the show did like an 8.1 rating overall. But the highest quarter hour that started off was uh, me versus Ron in an 8.6. Were you guys on that same show? Hold on. Let me get it back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's a shooter right there. You're working with a shooter. (laughs) <laughs> that's great what a fun time we had yeah, that poor, I, I still feel for uh, my my bud there that's that resting up high there Pat, I mean he was scared to death that night I don't know if you guys knew but Pat Pat was so so scared of you guys, he was a nervous wreck I said Pat don't worry I'll, I'll do everything which I did everything every night anyway for him because I didn't want to he was an old man and I didn't want to getting hurt it was my meal ticket so uh, we were t- we wouldn't have hurt him. i know you wouldn't and that's what i told him you know you guys you guys were you guys were like you'd been in the ring for for 20 years when we worked with you that night and uh, the ovation we got that night and uh, and 
And the back and backstage, that had to make you guys feel the best that you could possibly feel when you go backstage and everybody's lined up at the curtain to hug you and give you high fives and all that stuff. Well, maybe that. you guys, they didn't line up the hug. <laughs> no, that's all my, <laughs> I saw them with you guys too, man. That had to be a good night for you guys. John, he, he, he goes and he, for some reason, there was a spot where I, I was on the ground outside on the, on the floor and he shoots on me and he covers my mouth and my nose. And I can't Have you ever breathe. had that, Bradshaw? <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe. And he's looking at me. He's over my head and he's going, ha, 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 ha. And I can't breathe. And I, he has all his body weight on me and I can't, like he had it pressed on me. And I couldn't do a thing. It only did was laugh. That was great. He got me one time in South Africa. Me and Barry Wyndham, we'd been out all night. We'd been out all week. And so Barry goes, hey, kid, when we leave the arena, Jerry's at the front row like he was overseas on the agents tour, you know, sitting out there by the, by the bellkeeper. He said, you hit him low, and I'm going to hit him high. I go, all right, we're going to get his ass. We're going to get him. So I couldn't wait for the match to be over. The match is over. I think we're working with Furnace and Lafon. Those guys leave. As we walk by Jerry, I hit him low, and I wrap up his two legs, and I wait for Barry to clean his clock. And I look, and I see Barry walking by, and Barry had double-crossed him. <laughs> oh, no. No. Man, that's, Pete, that's when I got the – oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. I just wrestled out there, and I get straight – And it was hot, man. It was a man hot, in a suit – <laughs> in South Africa in front of everybody's like, hey, look, look at the guy that jumped out of the crowd beating up Bradshaw. <laughs> so, yes, I, I've had that done. But you got forced me to do that. Didn't know. It did an 8.6, the highest rated, I think, regular quarter hour in, in wrestling history. I think the overrun, the, the guy with the eyebrow, I think, did an overrun that, that did more. Surprise, yeah. surprise, Rock doesn't right. Right, right. But that was the highest regular quarter. And it started off with me and Ron and then you and uh, the Main Street Posse anchoring the Main Street Posse anchoring the main event of that quarter hour. Yeah, it's amazing. They, uh, and I actually think those ratings probably got us to come back. I think <laughs> because I don't think, you know, it was a loser leave town match. And unless they had plans to do it, you know, afterwards, but I think after the ratings, I remember driving home the following night and uh, Shane called and I was driving our car and Rodney was in the passenger seat with me and he told Rodney to put me on, put him on speaker. And he says, uh, Hey guys, uh, someone wants to talk to you. And then you hear boys. And we knew, you know, the Vince, he, his voice is so distinct. He said, uh, I just want you to know that you guys had, you know, the highest rated 15 minute segment in wrestling history. And um, he started going over the history of wrestling and the Ric Flair's and the Hulk Hogan's and the rocks and stone cold. Cause at the time rock didn't surpass that number from what, if, if I'm not that, mistaken, that, I that was the regular, the highest regular uh, quarter hour. Now that, right. okay. the rock, one that rock did was the <laughs> one. So, you know, yeah. And it was a promo. It was a promo segment too. We had the highest, we can, we still have the highest action wrestling action. Uh, uh, segment in the history of uh, Raw, but he had the highest interview segment. Uh, the, his, his segment that beat us was an interview segment. Him and him and Beckham. But just the you know the the whole thing with him talking about it, and then he said, "Boys, I'm proud of you." And you know, my own father never said those words, so he was always it's always tough love, and 
And, you know, he always had thick skin. Not that he didn't love me, not that he didn't, you know, he just, it wasn't his way, you know, and I knew it and I knew he was proud of me. But just to hear those words from Vince and stuff and how hard, you know, because Rodney and I would drive from town to town and say, you know, we want to, you know, we got to put on a good show for, for the McMahons. That's what we, you know, that, that's the way we always felt like we were doing it. Um, which goes back to the whole thing when Shane said, do me a favor. After that whole thing with WrestleMania, that, that first WrestleMania, he called us back in the office and he, he gave us those um, envelopes. And we're like, what's this? And he goes, it's your pay, assholes. <laughs> and that's what he said. We didn't think we were going to get paid. We were doing it for, we thought we were doing it for free. And so for all the vignettes and all the other things that we did and we got money for it, we were, you know, we were going to do it for free there. You know, we were doing them a favor, but it was, you know, obviously we needed the money. So it was good, but um, just, it was just, you know, it was a run. It was unbelievable. It was Isn't a dream come true. That the, the power that Vince McMahon has and yes. when he tells you, Hey, I'm really proud of you, how it sticks out six in your mind for the rest of your life. I mean, he yeah. has that ability to, to sit you down, and it's just, I don't know what it is about him, that commanding presence, whatever it is, but everybody who's had that experience will tell the same thing. Goes, I sat down there, and Vince told me this, and it just meant the world to me. And it's yeah. meant the world to me before, you know, too, when I've had a talk like that with Vince where he said something very positive. I thought, man, that, that's really yeah. cool. It is cool. But it's it amazing that that personality that that he has, that it means so much to people when he gives you that that praise and that, and that good word, which you know is coming from his heart. Yeah. Yep. And that's, you know, and that, that was the thing, you know, because we grew up in his house, you know, like for the most part, wow. you know, and then to, to be able to help him out and, you know, pay him back and, 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 you know, do, you know, listen, I know a lot of people used to give us shit because we were the way we got into the business, but the business wouldn't have let we Vince, if we didn't do our jobs and, and try hard and, and, and put people over and do it, everything, we wouldn't have been there two weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know? Pete, I got I got to tell you this, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what you got in the dressing room, but I know the feedback, you know, I was part of the office at the time and I was with Vince just about 24 seven during those days. I never heard a negative thing, you know, feedback from the town or from the, these guys are not doing it because you guys always did your job and you always busted your ass out there. And like you said, you, you, you got along in the dressing room and, and that's people just don't understand how important it is to a, to a, to a wrestler to be accepted in that locker room, because you can end up out in the parking lot dressing or you're, you're in, in a, a custodian office uh, uh, dressing but to be accepted, he just come in out of the blue. People knew the connections you had, but you guys were such genuine people when it came to to working with and wanting to. And you weren't smart asses about the business. You you knew you'd grown up basically in the business yeah. around, even though you weren't in it. You were around the business, been friends yeah. with Shane all those years. But man, everybody I ever knew, they always spoke very high guys at how you guys busted your ass. You guys were overachievers when you went out there every night, man. I appreciate it. That means a lot coming from you guys. Seriously. It means a ton more than you'll ever know. And I can tell you from, from the dressing room, Jerry, I mean, we love these. We love those guys. I mean, Ron did. <laughs> Everybody did. We loved working with them. We loved having, they, they fit in right away. You know, I've seen guys being the business forever that come in They're They're just not going to fit in. These guys came in right away, and the, all the boys loved them. It was there was never there was never an issue of oh these are Shane's guys or anything else. It's just good guys. 
Yeah. Uh, just, just like us. I mean, played football in college like I did. You know, we had the same background. You know, it's just it's just something that, that fit, and, and the boys really appreciate it. And I saw an interview you did, Pete, getting ready for this one, and you talked about how people say, like, the Mean Street Posse was the shits or whatever. A lot of that is because you were heels. You know, people say, yeah. oh, you're, you're the shits. You're terrible. You're no good. Well, what they're saying is, I didn't like your character. Which is really, that's, that's what that's what you're supposed to do. That's right. what you're doing at what you did. You know, I've always said, if you've got a heel section and you're trying to be a real heel, you're not a good heel. No. It's when people say, man, that guy doesn't belong in the ring. I don't like that guy. I wish they'd get beat. Well, would you pay to see them get beat? Oh, yeah, I'd pay double. Oh, you're right. They're, they're not good workers. Right, right. I remember, so we were in uh, Austin drove over Rock's, uh, his town car. That was in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yep, I remember it well. Right. I remember. So, uh, I remember we spent thirty-five thousand dollars on that new car. That car. 30, 30, <laughs> 30, I remember Vet signing that check. Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, thirty-five. <laughs> so we were we were parked where we were parked. We had we we had backed into the spot, and I was putting the bags in the in the in the uh, trunk after the show, and uh, all the fan you know fans were along the gate and stuff. And there was a guy there. He was he was as big as my door. Right? He was a he was a pretty big dude. And they all they were all calling us mean street pussies and all sorts of every name in the book, right? And I just said, ah, fuck it. I turn around and I walked over and I sh- I just said, hey, I said, uh, you don't like me, huh? And the guy goes, no, I don't like you at all. And I I should I probably should have just kept going, but I was just said, you know, I said, good because that's what I get paid to do. And it was kind of. I mind fucked him because he kind of like went like, like a dog when he doesn't understand, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's all of a sudden, you know, all this next thing, you know, she, uh, by the time I walked away, he was rooting for me. And then I, I probably shouldn't have done, I probably should have stayed in heel, but the guy probably would have jumped the fence or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was, uh, it was, it was unbelievable. It was so, it was so much fun playing a heel. It's not as much money, but it's fun playing the heel. It's funny because heels don't like sometimes the chance against them. You know, I had a sign. Some guy brought a sign. The sign guy, the just a born loser, JBL. And when I saw it, of course, I was furious. I tried to get the sign and stuff. I thought that is awesome. And also, just a born loser starts showing up everywhere. But it's like a lot of guys, you know, say, "Man, I don't want to, you know, chant that I'm fat, or I don't want to chant that I'm this or that." You want them to chant. Yeah, you want them to chant, right? <laughs> You live to get them involved, and so, sometimes guys are like ah, I, don't, I don't want them to do that. You're making a big mistake. Yeah, you are definitely. I remember that first WrestleMania in Philadelphia. Rodney and I sat next to each other, and I remember two two seats over was Isaac Case. I remember Rodney and I looking up, and there were signs with our names on it. And I'm like, how cool is that? You know, and then and all this stuff, and then you know. Someone backstage said, "If there's signs, if there's signs with you in there, that means you're over. That means you know yeah, someone took the time to, to make a sign for you. That means that that says something, you know. So I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Hey, so. Pete, Pete, when you finally finished up uh, with WWE, how how was how did that happen? And then uh, you, I read where you went to. You went from there down to Memphis, right, and worked for a while or for a while. No. Or, before, so before that, so after. What happened was we were tra- we were training with Dr. Tom. And, and so we were training. So now when I told you when Shane gave us those checks, after that, Shane also brought us these contracts 
they called us in like a week or so later and he gave us contracts and he said, here are contracts, three one-year deals. So then, you know, I remember going into the parking lot after and holding that contract. I would have signed it no matter what it's, I remember let, letting out a yell because we had the, I had the bug more than ever. I wanted to be a part of it, you know? And um, so then we started going on the road and we were doing shows Sunday through, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, because two, back then Tuesday was raw for the following week. And then uh, we were coming back. Wednesday was a travel day. And then Thursday, we would start Thursday and Friday. We would train with Dr. Tom, sometimes even on Wednesday, depending on when we got back. Um, but then there was only so much we could learn at the at the studio. So then I remember um, Bruce, Bruce Pritchard and uh, Jr. called us in. And said, we're going to send you to Memphis and you're going to work for uh, Memphis Championship Wrestling. And um, so uh, and then we also did stuff on Saturday mornings with uh, Jerry the King Waller on his uh, live show on Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, and then so we had to learn psychology. We had to learn how to work a crowd, stuff like that, how to work in front of six people to get a reaction. You know, all that stuff, all the little things that you were you know taught to do. So we were in reverse. So we, you know, we were, <laughs> yeah. paying, we were paying our dues, but we really you went, you went from 60, 60,000 people down to 60 people. Basically. Right. The only, the only difference is we didn't have the $25 a night. So we yeah. were trying to, you know. so <clears throat> the whole thing with us was we wanted to pay our dues. And, you know, that's why we didn't mind if we got, you know, hit extra hard or, or whatever, because we knew that that was our way of, of paying dues, you know, and, and earning respect because like I said, everything about my whole thing was I wanted to be respected in the locker room. And I think that was my, um, I wanted to, I wanted to be a part of the group because, you know, I cared about it and I, I wanted to do work hard and I wanted to do the thing. And, you know, I went, when I first started, I was 285 pounds. By the time I got released, I was down to two, I was 240. Um, but, uh, I just ended up, uh, so we, for the whole year in Memphis, we were flying out and doing TVs, flying back and doing shows for Memphis Championship Wrestling and Power Pro Wrestling. And then uh, after a while there, oh, then Tommy, Tommy Blancha ended up going with um, some guy from the Conan O'Brien show, one of their writers, to go off to do another show. As soon as he left, because he was writing, writing a lot of our, our stuff, our characters started to go downhill. And then that's when we um, we weren't on television as much. And uh, from there, um, they wanted then they told me that they wanted me to go to Puerto Rico to learn under Sabio. So I was in Puerto Rico um, for the last three years of my contract. And then uh, I remember one day I was <clears throat> I got a phone call from Jason Art, who's Joey Abs and Rodney. And uh, he's uh Jason said to me, he's like, Hey, you know, I really, uh, I really need to talk to you now. I need to laugh. I go, what's the matter? He says, I just got cut. And I was like, he's like, yeah, he says, they're calling us in one by one. They're either sending it to Ohio or they're sending you home. So like Daniel Bryan, he got sent to Ohio, you know, like all those guys, Lance Cade got sent to Ohio. Um, and then there's other guys, we were just, you know, some of us just the Haas brothers got sent to Ohio and then, uh, other guys were just getting cut. So, uh, I said, how's Rodney doing? He goes, Rodney's in there right now. Rodney came out. He had gotten cut. So that night, <clears throat> I'm with D'Lo and 
and Mosh and the headbanger, Mosh and the headbangers, right? Um, and we're driving to a show in Puerto Rico. And I'm sitting in the bad back seat. I got a dip in my mouth, and I'm I'm like, man, I'm like, I just got a bad feeling. And Delo's driving, he's like, Pete, he's like, You're not a you're Pete Gas, you're not the mean street posse anymore. They split you up. Don't worry about it. Well, the next day, like a dumbass, I go and I spend like a hundred bucks in groceries, maybe even more. And I'm walking with all these groceries and the phone rings and it's Bob Clark. I'm like, Fuck. So I go and I said, Hey, Bob. And he's like, Hey, he goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just walking with some groceries. He goes, uh, all right, I can call you. I go, just give me the fucking news. Cause I knew it was coming. And it was like, a, it was a gut punch and a half. And it was probably one of the worst feelings ever. And then, uh, so I went back, Dilo and Chaz got all my groceries or whatever was left after the next three days. Cause I finished the next three days. Um, I had to finish my storyline in, uh, in Puerto Rico for IWA. And then, uh, you know, they, they sent me home and, uh, that was it. But I, I landed, I landed, <clears throat> I forgot what day of the week it was. Oh, I remember it was, it was like a Wednesday that week. And then I went, uh, very next morning I went to Shane's office because my key still worked in the building. I remember afterwards, Shane said, I thought you were going to punch me in the face. And I just went up to him and I stuck my hand out and I said, thank you for the best three years of my life. And it was just, but it was true. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, you couldn't look at it as, you know, you had to look at the positive. I mean, that was, <clears throat> he gave us an opportunity and we ran with it, you know, like we, we made the most of it. And you it scored a touchdown with it, brother. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And then, you know, like we didn't, but I just really, uh, you know, I had to thank him because that was, I felt that was the only, that was the right thing to do because without him, you know, and that, I still benefit from those, the best three years of my life, you know, to this day, you know, I mean, there's certain things you can do and, and stuff like that. And I just appreciate uh, my glass is definitely half full when it came to that business and, and every, in my experience, my, my three years there. So to me, it was not to get all, all you know mushy about it, but to me, it was, it was a great run and it was special and I cherish it for the rest of my life. Do you still communicate <laughs> with Shane a lot or what? You know, it's funny. I actually called him this morning. Um, unfortunately, like, you know, he's got kids, he's got stuff. It's one of those things where we don't talk as often as I would like, um, but it's like, you know, the same thing with Rodney. If I, if I talk to him, it's like, it's like we just forgot to call each other last week. Yeah. You know, we just pick up where we left off and just, we just go with it. Yeah. And, you know, and like, like you never missed anything. You know, yeah. We all, we all have a relationship. You know, you're tied to him. You know, if you need anything, you, you could give him a buzz and he'd be with you in a, in a minute. Yeah. He would be. And, you know, I know that. And not that he ever needs me for anything, but, you know, just if he ever did, I would come running. You know, it's it pretty cool that you had uh, Pete uh, interview you did. Now, 9 11 happened during this time as well. So it kind of threw the, you know, the wrestling world into turmoil, yep. as it did the entire world in turmoil, not just the wrestling world. But you had a chance to go to TNA uh, with Jeff mm -hmm. Jarrett. Uh, yeah. part, part of that was going to be you were, you were going to bash WWE, and you decided not to go. I had it. No, I, I, so Jeff Jarrett calls me and says, uh, I'm going to do a tour in Australia. He was interested. Oh no, the, sorry. Let me go back. So this is what first happened. That, that was one thing. And then, um, he wanted to do two weeks in Australia, come home. And then, and this was right around nine 11. 
And then, and then we're supposed to go to Europe. Well, not, you know, Bin Laden, all that shit happened. And then uh, I didn't get to do it. But then later on, there was talk with Jeff and I about going to TNA. And it wasn't a very long conversation because he said, you know, we're probably going to have you bash the McMahons. And it's something like I would never have been comfortable with. Right. And just because, you know, I know it's a, it's a work. Not if you're a lifelong friend, Jared. I, I just thought that was cool. That That's loyal. Yeah. No, that's it. It, it is a work, but I, I'd feel the same way. <laughs> and if somebody asked me to say something about Ron or, or even Mr. Briscoe, I, I would, uh, I'll say it. I would have had a hard time bashing anything that the McMahons, you know, just, oh. that's just not, the, that's, to me, it's like, okay, not everybody knows, especially back then, not everybody knew things were a work for the most, you know, most people did, but from like when I was in Puerto Rico, they all thought it was a shoot. Oh. Like everything we did, like, you know, they stayed, and I don't know if they probably still believe it, but, um, but I, I just couldn't bash the McMahons. Just they're, they're too good of people. They've been so right. good to so many years. Like I, I just would never be able to play a character where I was bashing. Yeah, I thought that was uh, awesome. Uh, one you. thing I read in your book, and I got the honors. Thank you very much for uh, thank you writing the forward along with Edge, uh, which is really cool and a terrific <laughs> honor. Uh, but I read about Wrestler's Court, and <laughs> your rendition of it is pretty much exactly as it happened. I mean, most people, it's funny, but, you know, and our memories get bad with age, you know, so we, we remember something 20 years ago. It's not like we're lying. We just yeah. don't remember events in the correct order and names are wrong and stuff. But your rendition was a <laughs> pretty, pretty freaking accurate. Because, yeah, well, that because it was, like, it was probably the most, I always say it's, it's probably the, the best moment <laughs> of wrestling for me, like, funniest. Because I just, I cried laughing the whole time. It was so much fun, so. Uh, you want to set it up and I'll go. Yeah, you know, wrestler, wrestler's court people, people talked about it on the stick of wrestler's court. It was one of the most fun things we ever did. The boys yeah. looked forward to it for weeks and you, sometimes there was an underlying current that there was a shoot about something. Most of the time there wasn't, it was just a chance to do something fun. We didn't have social media. We didn't have the internet. This was our entertainment. And some didn't of those, have all those video games in the back or anything. Yeah. Some of those wrestlers' courts were some of the greatest things I've oh. ever seen in the history of this video. It was also <laughs> Taker. Taker was normally the judge. Cain, uh, yep. our godfather, was the bailiff. Yep. I was the prosecuting attorney, and then everybody else was in the jury pool. And then Taker would would render his verdict. So yeah, that Taker was out at that moment. That's at right. That point in time. And so Triple H took over the role, the robe of, yeah. of the Undertaker. Right, and what, right. happened, what happened was, is we had caught Teddy Long. For one, Teddy Long's the cheapest man <laughs> in the history. Teddy would turn into Galileo when we go through a toll booth. You know, <laughs> it, it, just Teddy wouldn't pay for nothing. And yep. then finally, it was right when Viagra first came out. And so Teddy was getting them free from some, some doctor. <laughs> and and <clears throat> the boys found out about it and they're going, hey, can I get some of those? And Teddy was selling them yep. to the boys. <laughs> So we took him to court for being a cheapskate. So I believe that, the charges were not cheapskate. It was cheap motherfucker. Is what it was. <laughs> that was the official court charge. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was great. Uh, so I, I, I remember just I, we, it was almost like a class, a court setting, but you had, we had desks for some reason in this one room because uh, 
I remember having a spit cup and, and some tobacco and, and Kurt and I was, Kurt Angle was next to me and we laughed so hard. I mean, I, we were holding each other up at one point, but so the charges came up and, you know, Hunter told you, you stood up and I remember to Hunter right in front of you was uh, Papa, Godfather. He was standing there and he had his arms crossed and all, all very, you know, all very official like. And then uh, you got up and said how, you know, he was, you know, at times, like you said, going through the, you would go to a toll and he'd be making like he was fumbling through his pockets. <laughs> and then the money would come out as you were already like yeah. 20 yards past the toll. And uh, so <clears throat> he, you know, all these different charges, but it was the, the official, like you said, the official thing was he was a cheap motherfucker. Yes. So all the charges came up and we're all laughing. I mean, the, the place was, first of all, it was packed to the gills. And uh, I remember Hunter says, he, he turned, after all the, every, all the evidence was brought up, he turned to me, he goes, uh, well, Teddy, you're pretty much fucked. He said, <laughs> you have anything to say for yourself? And he and Teddy also, stands I, up. Let me interrupt. Also, the, yeah, judge, yeah, yeah. the judge's orders were also: you must tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, unless you can tell a better lie. Yes. So there was, <laughs> that was you. Can, I forgot that part. You can, so make, the, shit, you can make shit up. You can do whatever you want in wrestlers' court. It didn't that's right. True. You just be entertaining. Right. And Hunter even said it in the beginning of wrestlers' court. He said, "Wrestling court is different from any other court for for the people that haven't been there." You could lie, cheat, steal, whatever you got to do, bribe people to get to get yourself up yeah. to win the case. So he he goes through that whole thing, and, and Teddy stands up and he goes, very animated. Your Honor, I'd like to call a, a what was it a, a character character witness? character yeah character witness May Young, and right alone that alone got the crowd to pop. And uh, so she comes walking up and and. Uh, she says, I don't understand you wrestlers with your big dicks needing that Niagara. <laughs> yeah. And the fucking the place went nuts. So, and then, that was the last thing we expected to happen. <laughs> and then Hunter to just add fuel to the fire. He's like, well, you know, mate, Niagara, some guys feel more comfortable. They want to use the Niagara and all that. And he kept saying Niagara, which has made the whole thing even funnier. And then so at the end of the the, the I don't know if there's any more to it, but the, the final verdict was he had he had to give you guys ch- chicken and I don't know how many cases of beer, yeah. right? Was yeah, that for the beer for us. I can't remember how much. We had to have a bucket of chicken. It may have been more than one, but he had to buy us. Uh, <laughs> me and Ron love fried chicken. So we had <laughs> a bucket of chicken and beer. And, and Teddy had, I don't remember how much the total was, how many days it was. But that was the uh, verdict that Teddy was found unanimously guilty. <laughs> but incredibly entertaining. I'm sitting there like Effley, I'm sitting like Effley Bailey. I'm thinking I'm the dream team. I think I got this thing wrapped up, and all of a sudden, uh, May Young gets up, starts talking about Niagara and penises. <laughs> oh my god! God bless you. That was so funny. But I remember before before the whole thing, before we all went in, I didn't know what was going on. We were all kind of sitting out in the arena, and someone said, "We have wrestlers' court." And I was like, what's that? And they're like, they're like, you don't want to miss wrestlers court. And I was like, thank God I didn't miss that. Because that was just, that was, that was worth every bit of it. That was, that was one of, that was probably the funniest time I've ever had in, in my three years there by far. You know, you know, those things were so great for the morale of the, of the talent and of the office guys too. Cause you know, we're all stressed out at TV and I would think 
think that was probably the third day of three TV shoots that you go 20 hours a day working in. So you get a little relaxation like that. And like, like you guys explained, you know, you lie cheating still, you know, as long as you do that, present a good case to be entertaining. That's, that's all we're looking for. And nobody took it serious, you know, except Teddy when he had to go buy that chicken. and <laughs> <laughs> But everybody walked out of there in a good mood and the rest of the day just kind of flew by because of those things. That's great. It was so much fun. You know, also one thing, you know, the backstage stuff. I mean, it is the guys used to play the, the Liverpool Rummy, all of the different Bill Street, everything. Bones uh, was played everywhere, the Bone Street crew, BSK. I, I didn't realize that I saw some of the interviews. I remember you sitting around the, the Bones table, but mm-hmm. you were Godfather's partner a lot. Yes. Yeah. And the, the story of Kane chasing you, <laughs> who's Undertaker's partner, is yep. just freaking awesome. Tell, me, tell us the story. So it was one one specific game we're playing, and it just and seemed first, like how did you become partner of Godfather? Just that's, that's a pretty cool crew to be a part of. Uh-huh. Oh, dude, trust me. So I wanted to just I was watching it. I was always I always liked the game, and I was watching, and and I got in with Papa, and then um, so we were. I was I kept watching and listening, and, and then they finally Papa needed a partner once, and I got in there and we won, and it just became a. You know, one of those things where we we became partners, and then um, they used to make the make me carry the bones. I used to have to carry them in my in my suitcase and then bring them out when those guys wanted to play and stuff. And I was more than happy to. But this one specific game, every time Glenn put a a, a tile down, I scored off. And you know, so it was just you know scoring, 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 and th- and we were we were kicking their ass. So. Taker's finally saying, man, you're going to let this, this rich kid from Greenwich beat us. You know, just kept playing with the whole thing. Right. And, and he was just riding, he was riding Glenn, just riding him, riding him. And he was getting, and Glenn was getting pissed because I just kept scoring and scoring. And then, uh, it finally got to the point where we were about to, if I, I, we were so close to winning. All of a sudden I said to, uh, Glenn turns to me and he goes, if you score here, I'm kicking your fucking ass. (laughs) <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say fuck it. He wasn't really a swear. He goes, I'm going to kick your ass. And um, yeah, he's the mayor now. We got to take care of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he really, I didn't really ever hear him curse. But he, um, so it comes around to him. He puts his bone down and I have my bone in my hand and I, I'm looking down at it and I'm looking at Papa. I'm looking down, I'm looking at Papa and Papa just, he's smiling. And then I just brought it back and I yelled, Domino, motherfucker, and I took <laughs> off. And he chased me all around the arena to the final until I blew up. And then I just started, and then I just, I just dropped, and he kept punching me in my shoulder. And I just thought it was the funniest thing because I was laughing, but he kept punching. He was just, and eventually, it so, but he just kept punching me. It was good though. It was fun. It was worth it. It was worth when the beat. Domino, when a domino game ends up with the big red monster chasing somebody around the building, that's a pretty good domino game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for him, but for me. It was good. <laughs> yeah. We used to have games all over the place. I mean, guys were playing dominoes, bones. Guys were playing cards. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was a lot of fun backstage. The one thing I could say, well, from what I heard, I, I can't say it, but from what I heard from friends, you know, uh, certain guys, years later, maybe like five years later or something, I said, you know, I said, I really missed the locker room to this one guy. He goes, well, he goes, it's not the same. It's different. He goes, back when we were 
during the attitude era, everyone was out to help each other. We were all there. We had a common goal. We all wanted to, he said, he felt like it was kind of different at that time. And he was kind of, you know, I know we're trying to be lighthearted. So I won't say who it was, but they, um, it was one of those things where he just said, he was, it didn't seem like it was the same type of camaraderie. It was during the attitude era where everyone was out. We were, you know, our, our enemy was WCW trying to, and we were trying to, you know, we all had a common goal and everyone was very team oriented. And um, he just felt like it was different as time went on. So I don't know, whatever that, whatever that was worth. I know, I know a lot of people think this, but you know, uh, every crew that you that you're part of you think is the best but you know i've been a part of a lot of crews in my time my my years in the business but that that was probably the best assembly of talent and and people not only were they talented in the ring but they were really good people in the back and that's what made that i think that's what made us so successful at that time because everybody kind of got along and everybody we knew what our purpose was we had a challenge in front of us and that was to get back in front of WCW and everybody bonded and, and, and fought that challenge. And we had, we eventually got, got to where we needed to be. Yeah. I feel like the, uh, even the crowds, how hot the crowds were back then. I mean, you look at, you know, like I saw you know, Becky Lynch just came back a couple weeks ago and that crowd was amazing. Right. But that crowd I felt like was like that every Monday night when you know what I'm saying? I felt like the crowd was just absolutely great. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that crowd, anytime Rock or Austin came out or whoever, it just felt like there was a DX. It was just, it was a rock concert every night. Just people were going nuts. Yeah, it, you know, it came from such a low. You know, when I got there in December of 95, business was really bad. Uh, we couldn't we couldn't sell tickets in, in a lot of cities. Thinking about running the Sportatorium in Dallas instead of Reunion because the crowd was just so bad. We're losing money in Reunion. Couldn't even cover the rent with ticket sales. And then all of a sudden when Steve got hot, he was the first one to really get hot. The only big star we had was Undertaker at that time, you know, that was left over that was, you know, still a huge star. And Sean, but Sean had kind of left during that point as well. You know, when Steve got hot and business took off, it was unbelievable. It's like the fans came along the journey with us. And yeah. I think that was part of it as well. You know, it wasn't like we had this huge – it had been years since Hulkamania. We we hadn't had this huge popularity, and all of a sudden you got this guy, Stone Cold, and then The Rock, then DX, then everybody. I mean, it was it was an incredible time. It was amazing. So if you're going to spend three years in a business, you spent the right three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, as you can see, it's getting a little dark here. I don't know about on your side of the state there, uh, but uh, here we're getting ready to have a hell of a storm. It's thundering off in the background. So, uh, Pete, I want to I want from the bottom of my heart, man. We really appreciate you coming on. I mean, this has been a blast, and we, you know, we, 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 we've been trying to trying to figure out a time to get you, and I'm glad you finally worked out the time and your schedule to do it, man. And, Hey, you got anything you're you're up to now that you want you want to tell anybody that you're a part of? No, I'm just. Uh, I mean, I sell for Florida Coast Equipment for small, you know, small uh, excavators stuff like that. Um, but other than that, I just you know, I just want to say thank you because I mean, you two were a big part of my uh, maturity in the business, and and it was it you know, and thank you and John, thank you again for doing the you know the forward, and it meant so much to me to have have you because you know you're basically we had that run of you know such a long time you know it felt like forever those 
month or whatever, two months, whatever it was of you beating the shit out of us, but it was fun. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, that's, that's, that was a big part of it. We loved it. And, uh, you know, we, we would have it no other way. That was to us. That was the best because it was helping, helping me accomplish my one goal. And that was to be respected in the business. And I hope I did. And I think I did. And, and that was, uh, that's what it's all about. Well, you certainly respected me and Ron certainly respected you and loved you. We, we, we had such a good time with you, <laughs> for you guys. the first time you came in, uh, the whole lot yeah. did. And, you know, you remember great moments in time. You remember great people and, and you're both, you know, we had a, that, that era of wrestling to me, you know, it was the era when I was there and I wasn't there for Hulkamania. I wasn't there for, you know, back before that with Thez and uh, San Martino, but I was there for the attitude era and you were there. And that's something that will live with you forever. And because of that, you know, you're you're part of the same brotherhood along with me and Jerry and, and so many other great guys. So it's fun to have you on. Thank you very much right. for thank coming you. on and and uh, thank you for being the Mean Street Posse from the tough streets, the tough street of Greenwich. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it and uh, appreciate it. Bye.